I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, Steve Craddock. Yep, Steve Craddock. Steve Craddock of Ocean Colour Scene. Steve Craddock of Paul Weller's band, Steve Craddock of The Specials, Steve Craddock of putting together the new P.P. Arnold album, Steve Craddock of straight up everything. He's the master plate spinner and uh, and also a really nice dude. And uh, it'd been a while since I'd last seen Steve. Um, we touch on the fact we've got uh, a, a, a mutual pal, um, in former guest James Buckley um, and Steve's uh, not only played in Ocean Colour Scene at, at, the, at, my, at my nightclub but uh, has also uh, come down and spun some records as well um, so it's a great chat um, and needless to say somebody with such an uh, incredible career has got some some great music chat in him um, before we get on to that chat I just want to say thank you to Scribbies Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network um, also um, thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. And um, and also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track podcast, um, go and have a look in the in the archives because there's about 150 episodes now with um, some of your favourite musicians, producers, DJs, comedians, actors. They're, they're all in there. And, uh, and we touch on things like acid jazz um, in this, in this uh, chat. Eddie Pillars um, got an episode in the back catalogue. Um, obviously, Steve done some work with, with Liam uh, in, the, in the 90s as well. And um, we speak, I've got an episode there with Andy Bell from Oasis and, 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 and Ride. So, um, yeah, go and have a, a rummage in the archives because I'm sure you'll find some uh, some episodes in there to get your teeth stuck into. Um, and if that's not enough, I also have a Patreon page where I put a standalone episode up over there uh, just for Patreons each week. Uh, you can find out all about everything at offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. Right, I'm done talking. Let's get on with uh, today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful Steve Craddock. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together 
based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording. Uh, sitting up has hit me today uh, in possibly the best background uh, I've done yet with uh, with a guest. He's uh, he's Steve Craddock. How you doing, Steve? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. So before we get on to the the podcast, I just want to kind of ask you how you've been finding the situation that we're in as both uh, a human, and, you know, and a, and a husband and, and, and father, um, as well as a creative. Uh, well, the shitter about everything is that we're not, you know, we should be on the road now. Yeah. I should be playing with, uh, with the Paul Weller group. Uh, but, um, it is what it is, you know, it's taken out of our hands. So it's kind of, uh, it feels like, you know, you hear stories about people having gap years, don't you? When they go to university or something and it feels like, uh, it feels like a gap year for a 50 year old. You know, which so, is too late in life. But it, you know, it's uh, I've been, I've got my family here, which has been great. I've been hanging out with uh, my boy Cass and Sonny, my daughter. This is, is this down in Devon. In Devon, yeah. Lovely, lovely. And I've been able to record. Thankfully, I've been doing uh, some recordings with Paula's daughter Leah. Nice. Uh, I've also been uh, not recording, but I've been mixing. Um, a girl called Yasmin Kiddle. I've been working with her for a couple of years now, and she's been putting out a track each month of this year. So there's six tracks out on Spotify or the download sites where you can listen to that stuff. It's been great. So have you found that kind of key to kind of ticking over, being able to sort of immerse yourself in the, the creative side of what you do? It's kind of the same as what I would normally do, if I'm honest, apart from the fact that I'm not out on the road. Yeah. So what I do is sort of sit in my den and uh, make music with people. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's get on to the, the track listing. And uh, and, I, and I should say that um, for, for people that are listening, that I, obviously I've, I've met you several times before, Steve. We uh, 
we uh, we've got a mutual friend in James Buckley and uh, and and got to yeah. see you perform at his wedding in a big castle in Scotland, which was pretty cool. And yeah. uh, and you've come down and 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 spun records at at my club as well. And and I believe Ocean Colour Scene played the club as well in the in the early days. I think we played it in 1991. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we played it a couple of times. Nice. Nice. Um, all right, Steve. Well, for track one, I want to know what you think is the song with the greatest ever intro. Right. Which is, firstly, it's a very difficult question, that is, because there's so many. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a song by Dusty Springfield called Mr. Dream Merchant. Wonderful record. Good. I'm pleased you know it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the intro is... Uh, is heavenly light, isn't it? It starts with that harp, and then it's got this beautiful drum roll. Such, I'd love to know who played the drums on that. Yeah, and uh, it's just so beautiful. I watched. Um, did you watch the recent documentary on Dusty that was on BBC? No. Oh, it was amazing, and it was saying BBC man. I don't watch all that. I don't watch that shit, man. Do you not? Ah. Uh, like it was something really interesting about Dusty that I never knew, and and it was the fact that all of the big dramatic kind of wrist flicks and that when she'd perform, like yeah. was apparently she'd have lots of the lyrics written on her wrist, and if I she thought was going to say a line of gear, <laughs> yeah, just straight off the wrist. <laughs> well, apparently, yeah, she had loads of lyrics on now. She didn't know words well. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't know I should watch it, actually. Is it on that catch-up thing? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an interesting story. She was definitely a, a troubled soul, Steve. I, yeah, um, yeah, I hear that, yeah. But, but um, I really love her 60s stuff, you know. Oh, it's incredible. So in regards to intros, um, I always ask musicians this, um, and for, you know, looking at the work you've done with Ocean Colour Scene, like, you know, especially... When, when when the band sort of exploded, like, you know, so many iconic intros, like, has the way that you approach songwriting changed from from back when the band started, Steve, to, to now, because the fact that the industry's changed so much in the way that people listen to music, you know, um, they're not necessarily record buyers anymore. There's lots of people streaming. Can you, do you see, see what I'm saying with a question? I just want to know, like, how you approach... The, the songwriting and an intro, you know, do you still write for radio? Is well, that a think, consideration? No, no, we never did that anyway. We started it just, that's what flowed and that's what came naturally to us. Yeah. And we kind of did it to, we kind of did it enough, really. I don't know how many more intros or maybe I just didn't have enough after that. Do you know what I mean? But there was a few on the first two albums that worked. And then we kind of, you feel you're just repeating that thing if you kept doing that, you know. Yeah. So the intro stopped after that, really. Yeah. And then we just uh, we would just play Simon songs. Yeah. I think even by I don't know if you know a song called July, but I, uh, I think even by then I think Simon was getting irritated by the riff intro, you know. Really. Yeah, which is which is fair enough. I think yeah. we've done enough of it. Okay. Track two, Steve. I want to know what the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. I've also got a few more 
if you don't mind me going on. On the intros, you want some honourable mentions? (laughs) Throw them in, mate. Throw them in. I was thinking about So Sad About Us by The Who, which is such a, in a way, a simple, I guess, uh, yeah, it's just really just the D... D-shaped chord yeah. playing three different notes over it I think that's a classic intro and in the same way which is quite similar is Feel a Whole Lot Better by the Birds mm. that's got that sort of jangle but I think is really beautiful and memorable emotive yeah. intros and a recent new one is by a by a, a rap artist called Leaf Dog uh, it's, a, it's a track called Some People Say and I don't know how he's done it I think he's incredible Leaf Dog it sounds like some old 50s records. Intro, it's really dramatic. Really, I don't, I don't even know if he sampled it or whether he would have replayed it. I don't yeah. know. Well, I've not heard that, but um, we do put a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast, so I'll um, make sure that that's... You know, for yourself, it's, it's really, really special, I think. I'll check that. I'll check that. Um, so for track two, Steve... I want to know what the first song you remember hearing was that had an emotional impact on you. It had been uh, the B-side of Bitterest Pill by The Jam, which is a song called Pity Poor Alfie. All right, okay. <clears throat> and um, I think that came out in uh, either 81 or 82. And it was just my girlfriend at the time, she was, she was playing it. And... Uh, it just really connected with me. And for many years, even I play it a lot still, you know, but for many years that I would have to play that tune every morning. Um, and I still don't really know why it's one of those things, isn't it? It's not worth knowing why I think. So what, you don't really know what that emotion was? No, just, you know, it's, it kind of had to stay with me forever then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those mind blowing moments. How old would and, you have uh, been then, Steve? Um, 11. Okay. And so where was that? Where was your bomb? In a place called Solihull in the West Midlands. Okay. Um, and so growing up, Steve, like, aside from what you was hearing, man, sort of girlfriends and things like that, was there music on at home? Uh, I think so. I can't really remember. I mean... My mum and dad had really shit sort of like uh, Christmas albums. And no, I'll tell you what they had, right? When they got their first car cassette player, it would have been, uh, there was a Dart's Greatest Hits. When at the time, I mean, I'm on about when I was kind of a six, seven, eight-year-old. Yeah. I ended up loving all those songs. But, you know, when you get to a certain age, you realise that they're absolute shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And there was a Mamas and the Papas Greatest hits, which I still really love them. Yeah. Uh, and since you know, you find out that people like the Wrecking Crew all played on their records. You know, really well played records, great vocal arrangements. Yeah. And I think great songs, even if they were covers, you know, there were great versions of them. Yeah, absolutely. So that, and there was a Shadows Greatest Hits. Did that? I thought it was great. You know, was you was you obsessing over music at a young age, Steve? Yeah, in the t- yeah, I was sort of youth club Friday night discos were really important things, and uh, everyone. And then it was you know it was kind of segregated. Really, there was lots of uh, different scenes around that time, wasn't there? There was some weird sort of 
rock, rockabilly. You'd have the mod revival. Mm. You'd have the star revival. Uh, there'd be loads of rockers around in the West Midlands. That was a big scene for mm. some reason, which I still don't get. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was. And, and then it became kind of, you know, when you realise how shit school is, it, it becomes a salvation, doesn't it? Absolutely. So I started getting groups together, you know. I wanted to learn. It blew me away. Groups like UB40, you know, were coming out with one in ten. And Tyler and, you know, kind of really important tunes, I thought. It's, it's so weird that you mentioned that because I think so many people mock UB40 for some of the stuff that come later in their career. You should never overlook the importance of that early stuff, like songs like One in Ten and fucking Tyler's an incredible tune, man. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, I, well, I think their first three albums are amazing. Mm. I think, uh, and their dub album they did, mm. they present arms in dub, I thought was great. Mm. And it was all mixed just down the road from us by a guy called Bob Lamb. Yeah. Where we ended up renting a room from. So we had lots of stories and he still had the four track mixing desk. Apparently he had two of them Yeah, uh, to mix when he was mixing the albums and they'd mix it on like a PA system out in the gar- back garden of uh, a place in Kings Heath. Oh, near okay. And so uh, would you have access to go and see him at like, but I take it they were playing like Hair and Hands and places like that back then. No, no, I'd be too young for mm. that really. I didn't. I didn't see them. I, no, that's not true. I saw them at the at the Birmingham Odeon in I think eighty one or eighty two, and I was right down the front, right. And Astro handed me in those days. They used to do half pint lagers, the Carlsberg lagers, shitty little things. But I got handed one of them, you know. And I remember going to school the next day, still deafened by it all, and the vibration of the bass, and it it was that was overwhelming, you know. Yeah. When you was sort of listening to, to, to music, as, aside from obsessing it, was you, was you deconstructing it at all, Stephen, sort of working out as songs were put together? Yeah. Yeah, I'd learned the sax parts off that off the Signing Off album on this <clears throat> shitty little guitar I had, and then I started playing the bass. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'd try and work out the different parts in it. Okay. But it wasn't, I don't think it wasn't until I... I started dabbling in acid with uh, one, you know, you go through that sort of scene, don't you? Mm. And uh, it was that that made me sort of think, wow, you know, yeah. all the colours that are in music. Yeah. And it was a scene I'm pleased I didn't hang around too long with, to be honest with you, because I yeah. know people who got really fucked up through it. Yeah. Um, you know, saw the other side of it all, which was uh, fun. You touched on school. Um a moment ago. And uh, and so for track three, Steve, I'm going to ask you what song reminds you of your time at school. Um, well, there's a couple I've thought of here. Okay. I remember when Being With You by Smokey Robinson entered at number one and we were all in the playground listening to it on the radio. And uh, so that kind of reminds me of it. And also a shitty song is Stand and Deliver by Adam and the Ants. Yeah. Because for some reason, everyone had to know all the words to that tune. Yeah. So was you, you was you not one of the, 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 the lads that thought Adamant was cool then growing up? No, my sister liked Adamant. Yeah. She went, yeah. No. 
For me, it was so weird. Like in my school, it was like you either you are, there was three choices really. It was either I guess Adamant, Weller, or Suggs, and uh, and you know, <laughs> and uh, I was I was a Madness fan. I was a Madness fan. Like um, I think they just were, they, were, they were amazing. Madness had such an amazing uh, run of singles. And they, their records sounded great as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I think they're, I think they're, um, I've said it many times on this podcast that I think they're, they're, they're under, they're not acknowledged for, for, for what they've done. I think that because maybe the kind of novelty value of their videos and that might have kind of made people not necessarily realise the importance of records like Embarrassment coming out at the time it did, you know. They were, you know, they were, it was some smart social commentary in what Madness was doing. Yeah, but you know what? All that recognition bollocks is, I think the people who love them, love them, and yeah. you know, if you don't, then you don't deserve to. Yeah. I mean, what is recognition? Would that mean like a blue plaque in Camden? Yeah, sure. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, you get to a certain age, they might think, oh, something like that is nice, but, you know, yeah. they know that you know, they do mad stock and yeah. I think they know their worth. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It is. It's it's those that know their worth know their worth. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's known full well that it's the fan. It's the fans that make all that happen, anyway, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. People who they speak to through their music. Okay, so in regards to school, Steve, I mean, you mentioned earlier that that, that music started to to overtake it. Then, so was you not a fan of school? Did you not enjoy it? I don't think anyone is, are they? If you're a fan of school, you're weird. <laughs> No, I wasn't. No, I mean, it's... And, uh, ...teacher that identifies with you. But how can you... How, it's, a, it's a tough job, isn't it? How can you possibly uh, inform that many different... Yeah, yeah. ...possible thankless task, isn't it? And uh, unfortunately, most of them are idiots as well, or they were... Uh, ...is unstable... Did your you, computer just told me I'm unstable. Uh, was was it my computer? Or was that your was that your own conscience talking to you, Steve? <laughs> and the voice is in your head again, mate. <laughs> That'd be that acid. <laughs> um, did you have a good circle of mates at school? Uh. No, not really. Can't remember. I didn't. You know, I, I sort of I hung out with people who wanted to play music yeah. or who listened to music. So at school, was was that what you wanted to be, musician? Yeah. Done all right then. Well, I'm lucky enough to still be playing music. You know, yeah. and I'm thankful for that. But you know, especially at an early age, you you kind of have to be a. Well, you just it, it, it takes you, doesn't it? It's a calling, I think. And. Uh, and from that onwards, you always have to. From that moment onwards, you, you see that uh, that's your path, you know. Yeah. So you don't feel it gives you an elitist thing, which to feel like that at my age would be stupid and rude, right? Yeah. But at that age, at a younger age, it's a good thing, and it builds up, you know, your identity. Was you a confident kid then? No, I'm, st- I'm still not confident. But you know, it's you know. Did you like the attention that being in a band brought you? Uh, it 
there's a part of that, isn't there? I mean, you'd have to go, you know, you'd have to go and see a shrink for all that shit. Mm. There's what is it? Is it you know? It's, it's you got to have some ego, and yet you don't think you've got any ego. You know, yeah. and uh, who wants to work all that bollocks? Uh, yeah, just do it and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Track four, Steve. First song you remember buying from a record shop was Beats Render by the Jam. It wasn't a record shop actually. I think it was WH Smiths. Yeah. I used to sell singles. Yep. And uh which was the last jam single. Mm. And uh so from then then on I I'd heard a couple of tracks as I said earlier. From then on I bought when I had the money I would buy all of their albums and and I spent many years just listening to well it was the jam and Elvis Costello who was again probably before my time, you know. Yeah. Just before my time. I mean, do you ever have these like moments of reflection where you think, like the first record I bought, I'm um, now, you know, spent many, many, many years standing next to this guy playing these records? It sometimes comes back to me. Yeah. But uh, normally too busy, it's, you know. I mean, also, how many times can you be th- keep thinking of that? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Mad, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, and also, Paul's. It's amazing that he's so prolific still, you know, and hasn't lost that mojo that he's got. Uh, so to to be around that is really uh, more exciting than that mm. thought that you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess that's way more inspiring. Um, and, and so, I mean, how did? I mean, I mean, obviously, the the uh, I'm aware of like um, the everything that you've done with Ocean Colours, but from doing that and and the band establishing itself, how how do you manage at that point to be in Paul's band as well? How how does that work? Like, how did that come about? Uh, we supported the Ocean Coloursing supported him on his. Paul Weller Movement yeah. gigs. We had two gigs with him and then we used his studio. We were working with Jimmy Miller who produced Traffic and the Spencer Davis Group and the Stones. And uh, so uh, I met him then. I bought a scooter off him actually when I was at the studio which was cool. And he recognised me from when I went down to the studio as a younger kid, <clears throat> as a fan. And I don't know, he, he was looking to get a second guitar player and he thought I would be all right with it. And at the time we were going through, we were all back on the Enterprise Alliance scheme, which is, you know, was a great thing at the time, mm. you know. It allowed musicians and creative sorts to uh, to carry on doing what you're doing. Uh, so we were going through that. So it kind of, um, he just thought that I would be a, an appropriate guitarist, yeah. which you know really surprised me because I knew that I was I was nowhere near good enough for mm. that. But I learned quickly, you know, and uh, yeah, that's it, really. So, uh, how do you find kind of getting the you know as the balance something that because you know you, you mentioned producing the artists. Um, at the beginning of the of the podcast, um, and obviously, you know, Ocean Colour scene uh, 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 always actively out and about and touring, and, and obviously, as he's Paul and specials as well. Like your master plate spinner, really, ain't you, Steve? What? 
you're a big plate spinner. Uh, yeah, it was kind of the last couple of years were uh, pushing my luck, really, I guess. Yeah. But it, uh, I didn't want to let anyone down eight also. Yeah. So how did, how did the specials gig come about? Um, Horace and Linville told me that they saw me playing with Paul. I think they were, Paul was on the bill, the same bill as the specials. I think it was maybe in Italy. Mm-hmm. And they just earmarked it. I think that there was maybe some issues with Roddy mm-hmm. or Roddy had with the group and they just kind of checked me there and um, I just got a call from their manager, Steve, who's a Brummy guy, right? And I, I thought it was a, one of my old Brummy mates taking the piss, so I put the phone down. <laughs> just quite amusing. So how was that been? It's uh, it's great, you know. I mean, again, the specials are a group that I, I grew up with. Um, we all did if we were of that generation. Mm. And they're a really important group, you know. And so I was just blown away, really, that I was being asked to come and play with them. And then when I play with them, it's, you know, they were so friendly, you know, so accommodating. And, uh, it's you know, it was a dream. Wonderful. I'm loving the fact that you're definitely in some rural places down there. I can hear uh, I can hear chickens, I'm sure. We've got a cockerel outside, yeah. <laughs> He's a cunt, man. He keeps biting. <laughs> <laughs> he, does his, he does his sort of sideways shuffle like does that to you. You can't tell whether to run or if he's just checking you out, but normally he just bites you and <laughs> All right, brilliant. Track five, Steve. Um, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Uh, <clears throat> right. Well, it would be. There's a couple of them actually, but there was this great club in in Birmingham. Uh, it was in the basement of a place called the Institute in Digbeth, mm-hmm. called the Sweat Club, and it was really. Again, it's quite a short-lived thing. Really, it's like anything. You know, it lasted for a couple of years before the ease started to turn nasty. It's quite strange, isn't it? But um, but the songs were there was um, there was Matha by the um, was it again? It's the Dave Pike set. You know, it's kind of Indian vibes. Indian vibes, know? yeah. So, c- can, uh, can I ask you a question on that, Steve? Yeah. So, is Weller anything to do with that? Well, he, him, and Marco, and I think it was Crispin from Galliano on drums. They did a version of it, but this is the original. Yeah. This is the original version. I, I'm not sure what year it was done. But um, there was a great DJ called Cheese Dip who would play Matha, and then over the top he would do the I Have a Dream speech. Because nice. there's a huge intro on that as well, isn't there? Just the sitar before it drops. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it would be that tune, or it would be Red Red Light Spells Danger by Billy Ocean. Oh, what a record. What a record. Yeah. It, yeah. The, the energy in that record, it just powers along, doesn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Really brilliant. And there was, um, there was a great scene there, you know, as well. There was a great scooter scene, and it was sort of like the outgrown scooter scene. It was – everyone just was really cool, I think, you know, proper flared cords, uh, woolly hats on, everyone dancing great, man. So would this really been fun. kind of what eighty eight, eighty nine? No, it'd have been like ninety. It was later than that. Mm. 
we didn't. Uh, it was kind of I was into like the Roses and the Lars in '89. Right. So would this have been the time of like the acid jazz stuff kicking off? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, talking loud and all that. Yeah, it was, and in fact, it went up to sort of '95, really. Say from '90 '93 to '95. Okay. Because we all used to when we was making Mosley Shoals, we'd go down after we'd been spending the day rehearsing and recording. We'd go down there on the night. We took Brendan there. I think, in fact, Paul came and played there once with us all. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So I want to ask you just about um, how you coped when, when, when that album dropped, you know, at, at a time when there was so much emphasis on British guitar music and, and you were right in the, the thick of it. Like, how did, how did you, how did you deal with that? How did, you know, fame and, and celebrity and, and, you know, being, being on, you know, the TV and being on top of the pops and, 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 and also I'm going to ask you that as well. How was, did you, you know, how was playing on top of the pops? <laughs> it was amazing. It was, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Cause that's what you grew up listening to. It was a big thing, you know, when we were growing up top of the pops, wasn't it? Massive. And, uh, yeah. But the thing is, we would um, we just abuse ourselves, you know, really. And I don't know why we did it because we thought it was fun, you know. Yeah. Everyone was getting totally 
fucked up and yeah. and uh, I kind of spent sort of like you know a good twenty years smashing my head against the wall. You know? <laughs> and, but at the time, really loving it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, that's I think that's how most people do with it because it's surreal. It's a load of bollocks at the end of the day. It's, yeah. It's nothing, isn't it? But it's kind of what gets you into music in the first place, you know that, that yeah. whole thing. But it's a it's a it's a double edged sword if you're not careful, you know. And, and uh, you got to you got to keep yourself in check. Most of us didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Just to touch on the top of the pops thing again, like to, to see that peep behind the curtain because you know, uh, again, as you said, for, for someone. You know, like me as well. It was like Top of the Pops was just the the highlight of the week. It was the only time you got to see your musicians on television. You, it just never happened aside from that. So I always just wonder what the actual, you know, actually getting on there is like. Is it is it a disappointment when you see behind the curtain of it, or is it everything you'd imagined it to be? Like, well, and did, was was the first time Ocean Colour seen for you? Yeah, it was the Riverboat song. Wicked. And uh, we just had to mime, right? No, we, the, it was a backing track. Simon, I think, had to do a lead vocal. So from the morning, we got out of bed and just got on it. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it's just... And then after you've done it a couple of times, this is what it is. People love it at first, musicians or the, the singers, do you know what I mean? And then they start going, oh, they're pushing the crowds around. After about the fourth time, it they, it becomes blasé. Yeah. And then they start, you know, oh, they're, they're pushing the crowd around because, you know, you know, that's what it, that's what they do to, to you know. Okay. I mean, for fuck's sake, they used to have Jimmy Savile doing it. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's worse things going down. Yeah, you definitely want people pushing the crowd away from him, mate. Fucking hell. Um I'm going to take you back to uh, back to your home county, Steve, um, for track six, favourite song from an artist from your home county. Well, I'm going to choose I'm going to choose UB40, Wicked. and I want to choose a song that's off the Present Arms album called Silent Witness. Love Do you know that? I don't know. I don't think it's a really well, and it's not a kind of it's not a big sort of chorusy tune. But you go and check it, Silent Witness. Yeah. There's something really uh, it just gets you, you know. And I again, I don't know why. And I'm pleased I don't know why. But um, there's just something about Ali's voice, you know. He, he was such an incredible, and he's such an incredible singer. Mm. Uh, so I'm picking that tune. Wonderful. It's a it's a crazy story, and I mean, it, um, it's it's the stuff of Hollywood films. The UB40 story. It's Again, I watched a documentary a few years ago on them, and it's just tragic. Like the the money that disappeared, like that that that's never been accountable for, and and it shows like them in in you know the kind of late eighties, early nineties, where you know they looked like they were one of the biggest bands in the world. They were selling out these arenas like all over the world, and it's like, and they're bankrupt. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I know, but I think they had a few bad. They had a few bad uh, manager problems. Yeah, it, 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 that come across. I don't, I don't even know the in and outs of it, you know. But yeah. it is it's awful. And then that, then that made the group fall out. You know, it made three brothers not talk to each other for years, and you know, that's, that's the, the the tragic sort of ending of it, really. When when there's 
it's so weird. There's a third brother that's now singing in one UB40, and Ali's obviously still singing in another UB40. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. tragic, man. It's an awful end to a, you know, a, a yeah. great band. Right. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Um, last track, Steve. You can play DJ here, mate. Um, I want you to um, recommend a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Okay, I'd like to... It's off an album uh, by a group called We Are Catchers. Have you heard of them? I haven't, no. Um, yeah, he's from Liverpool. And um, I'd like to choose two songs off it. There's a song called If You Decide, and there's another song called Water's Edge. Okay. And they're both just timeless songs, I think. Classic. And I like the... Um, the sound of the recording. And I, I believe Ian Brody was responsible for producing it. Uh, is, is it quite uh, new then? Is it recent? I think within the last four or five years. Right, right. But I don't think not many people sort of are aware of it. But the songs, it's kind of, it sounds like a, like it could still be in demo stages, but where, you know, you know, when you've got the, you've got the energy. Yeah. And this, you know, is, uh, I think Bill Ryder Jones, he might play guitar or drums even on some of the tracks. Nice. But those two songs, I think, are really great and uh, they seem to have slipped under the net. Okay. So, also recently, um, I forgot to, to touch on this, but I wanted to talk about how it was um, working with Pippi Arnold. How, how was that? It was fantastic, amazing. Um. And how did that we, come about? Well, we reconnected after kind of, I'd not seen her for about maybe 10 years. And we had about six demos that we did because uh, she came to stay with me at my place in Birmingham for a little while. And we would just work on music on, on coming evening time. And so we had these demos anyway, ideas. And I found them, I moved house about five years ago and I found all the reel-to-reels and listened to them and I put them all onto digital audio and sent them to Pat to see if she wanted to sort of pick up where we left off really. And she did thankfully. And then we spent from 2016, we spent about two years uh, going through lots of Pat's demos, lots of ideas I had of songs to bring for the album. And these kept sort of kind of, well, we ended up as a double album, you know, it kept escalating. And I really love it. I've not listened to it for a while, but it was a joy to make. There was, you know, it's kind of a big production. I wanted to try and, as a fan, I thought it would be nice to see what her third album on Immediate could be like. That's where that's where my mind was when we was trying yeah. to make it. And, and it was just made on this laptop I've got in front of me here, you know, in this... in in the studio, which is a garage, you know. So uh, I'm, re- I'm really pleased with it. I think there's, you know, I think it's great. Wonderful. So when this strange situation that we find ourselves in, easy, Steve, and, and we get back to a, I guess, a, 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 a different normality than what potentially, you know, perhaps we were used to, what's, what's in the pipeline? Just hit the road, Jack. I, you know, you missing it? Uh, I do miss it, yeah. But I think it's also good to, you know, I think it's good in a way to 
because it's so forced, I think it's giving everyone time to sort of collect their, you know, collect what they are in a different way that they, no one would ever have this chance in life, I don't think. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, mate. So I think, you know, make the best of it. Absolutely. Steve, thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Welcome. Nice to see you. Lovely. Thanks, mate. There you go. Steve Craddock. What a gent. Lovely to catch up with him. Um, I'm just loving the fact that um, sometimes people have uh, like kids running around, you know, in the background or, or, you know, like the phone rings or something like that. A cockerel, like cock-a-doodle-doing throughout. Uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, you, you couldn't see what I could see, but where, where Steve was recording from uh, looked incredible. Like just racks of guitars and and drum set up and stuff. It, it, it looked cracking. Um, so, yeah, thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks once again to Steve um, for, for giving up his time and having a music natter with me. Um, I'm back next week. If you can't wait that long, have a look in the archives um, or go and have a look over on Patreon. Um, find out about everything at offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. Stay safe. See you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, Um, There's features on Jade Adams and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.